The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for your apostles and their willingness to go where they were sent. We ask for your Spirit's presence among us and all of your people on this day as we are mindful of how you have sent us as well. Amen. There's a phrase in the gospel text that's pretty classic. Um, Dr. Timothy Lull, former president of Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary, would often end a lecture, I have been told, by saying, I have many other things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. (laughs) Seems like not a bad way to finish. (laughs) So here we are at Pentecost. I wasn't on the committee that scheduled it the same Sunday as Memorial Day. I think that's kind of a bigger wheels of calendaring than I'm uh, involved in. But there are some things about Pentecost that I think we take for granted that I don't believe are, are necessarily accurate. In a lot of churches around the world today, there will be cakes brought out with birthday candles placed on it for the birthday of the church. I don't know that that's necessarily wrong, but in one of the commentaries I was reading for today, the comment was made that it might be more aptly described as the baptism of the church, not the birth of the church, which I thought was kind of interesting. I think as Christians, we perhaps would look to Easter itself as the birth of the church. But this idea of Pentecost as this big Christian festival 
Tim and I were talking this last week about how it's this epic Christian festival, again, landing on a three-day weekend. It's another one of those festivals that Hallmark hasn't latched on to either. We have in the ancient church the three main festivals that are still the three main festivals of the church to this day. Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. In the ancient church, they were celebrated both on the festival day itself, but also with a vigil the night before. In most places in the United States on Christmas, it's the vigil that's observed, but not the day itself. On Easter, often the day itself, but in recent years, perhaps a renaissance of observing the vigil. And on Pentecost, not so much. (laughs) When we think about Pentecost, we think of it as this big Christian festival. But to begin with, it's a big Jewish festival. It's not named because of Christians. It's because of Jews gathering who had followed Christ, but Jews from all over the world gathering in Jerusalem for the big Jewish celebration of Pentecost, which comes 50 days after the celebration of the Passover. Everyone in town for this observance. And then we have this crazy event that is described in the book of Acts. This text I love because it really gets to an experience that is beyond words to explain. There's no wind. There's no fire. But there is the sound like the rush of a violent wind. Not, boy, it's a hot day. Wouldn't a cool breeze be nice? This is a, is the tree in the front yard still standing kind of wind. But there is no wind, actually. It's the sound of a violent wind. We can think of all those news reports or experiences for us who grew up in parts of the country where tornadoes were not unusual And what would somebody say when it came close? Sounded like a freight train is often the expression. And we think of the disciples on this day with the tongues as of flame, it says. Not tongues of flame, but tongues as of flame. You have the sense that the early eyewitnesses were experiencing something completely out of their frame of reference and trying to put words to it. It's kind of like this. It was kind of like that. But this idea of wind and flame and the power that comes with it, or might we say at times the fear that comes with it. Living in the Southwest, wind and flame are a combination that we don't like to hear about. And many of us perhaps have fire stories in our backgrounds. Maybe not our house in danger, maybe that's much more mundane. Perhaps it was starting a campfire or starting a fire in our fireplace. I can think of some of my earliest memories of my family camping, and I remember helping my dad get kindling together to get a fire going that we would cook things on later. 
But I also remember the year when my brother was two years old, running around the campsite the morning after, falling into what looked like a quiet and cool fire ring, but finding the hot coal underneath that burned his leg pretty badly. We can think of perhaps national parks or other places that we've been to in recent years where we can see vast stretches of acreage, miles at a hit, burned to a crisp. Do you remember when fire was only bad? Do you remember that? When I was a kid, when we would go to the national parks or we would see the commercials on television, it was all about Smokey the Bear, right? That's all you ever heard about fire was ways to keep safe. And now you see firefighters setting fires. Or you go to the national parks and instead of suppression, you go to every single ranger program and they always talk about the benefits of fire. You see those new spaces that are opened up. The smaller plants that suddenly have a chance for light and life. We think of those cones in some cases that can't even open and release their seeds without the heat of that fire to bring new life. It's kind of a curious image for us. But if we think of Pentecost as that time of fire and spirit, but if we also think of it as the baptism of the church, we bring those two odd forces together, water and fire. When I was in my first parish, we went on a canoe trip on Lake Superior with our youth group. It was those long French voyager canoes, and we would canoe from one of the Apostle Islands to the next and camp there. We were caught on the lake in a thunderstorm once and had to quickly ditch onto the shore. And in some of the heaviest rain I've ever been in, I watched in awe as these 20-year-old counselors started this raging fire from what was just found there, carefully drying off the next set of wood with the flames before feeding that in and replacing it with more wet wood to dry. But that image of heat and fire and water, all of these natural forces moving around, bring to mind the power of what God brought into being at Pentecost. When we think of the Holy Spirit coming, we have sisters and brothers in other parts of the Christian tradition that talk about all kinds of fantastic gifts and skills. There's this great Greek word, glossolalia. It's one of those words that sounds like what it is, the speaking in tongues that we hear about, or magical healing in a sort of way. But what do we get as a church on Pentecost at our baptism? Gifts that are tools. Gifts of language so that there is an ability to share the story and gospel of Jesus Christ with those who have not heard it. Everyone. That list of names that every lector fears to read. And you did a great job, Jerry. (laughs) This endless list. Everybody showing up and saying, how are we hearing this? How are we hearing this? 
the fire of the Spirit burning hot enough to release those seeds in ways that could not be expected. I think it's easy for us to grab on to Pentecost as this great missionary movement. But I think the advocate coming to us is also something that works on us. We can think of those cones and the heat that is applied that they would open up. In what ways is the Holy Spirit calling us to open up that we might be life-giving for others? It's not an easy thing. Fire is not a gentle process, is it? It's something that's rough and hard. Something that causes us to be something that we perhaps wouldn't be on our own. I would encourage you as you think about the text for today and as you think about the festival of Pentecost itself, think about the ways in which the fire of the Spirit perhaps is opening you up in ways that are transformative for those around you. Not necessarily ways that are easy or simple or pain-free or risk-free but ways that allow us to share the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ all around us, such that others might hear about Christ and receive new life in them. So think about this Pentecost. Think about your baptism. Think about water and fire and how they bring life to us and to all around us. Amen.